You're listening to the David Bumble Networking Podcast. Very good day interviewing a lot of Cisco engineers. We discuss all things networking, CCNA, CCNP, CCIE, Python, automation, the books, the exams, the future, your career. Another long day at Cisco Live. We talk to the authors, the experts, the leaders, and people like you and me. David Bumble coming to you from Oxford in the United Kingdom. Now, here's your host, David Bumble. Hey everyone, it's David Bumble coming to you from the UK. Really excited to be talking to someone who knows a lot more about Wi-Fi 6 and wireless technologies than I do. Rowell, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. So before we get started, I met you at a Cisco event in San Jose yeah. just recently, a few weeks ago. It's really good to meet you. And I mean, I know that you and a buddy of yours have a special podcast. So just before we jump into the technical details, if you want to know more information about wireless or Wi-Fi, Rowell, tell us about the podcast like very quickly, and then I'll start hammering you with questions about Wi-Fi 6. Yeah, sure. The uh, The podcast I started back in 2015, and then I added Francois, my co-host, because it was, for me, got a little boring talking to my wall. Talking to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's exactly. a little bit more of a lively conversation. So. We've been doing the podcast. Uh, we try to publish every week, and we talk ma- primarily about Wi-Fi topics. So we do technical and a little bit some of the non-technical discussions around wireless technologies. And we recently did a Wi-Fi six series where we took the draft of the of eleven eight hundred two eleven AX or Wi-Fi six as we're calling it now, and we just talked about it on the show. Yeah, I mean, if you can give me those links, I'll put them below for anyone who wants to, you know, go and get more detail. But I mean, the aim of this call is firstly to introduce you to my audience so they get to know you as someone who's an expert in this field, but also to like try and get some explanations of Wi-Fi 6 in, I would say, someone who's sort of new to wireless, you know, who's watching this can understand it. So I'm going to try and get you to answer the questions as simply as possible. But before we go there, I mean, let's talk about your experience. You obviously have a lot of experience in this area. So I don't want to give it away. You tell the audience, you know, where do you work? One of your, one of the places, should I say. One of the it's places. Quite a, quite, a small, quite a small campus, I believe. It, yeah, it's a pretty small campus on the West Coast. Um, <laughs> I, I'm an, I am a network engineer for Stanford University. And <clears throat> all that really means is I do a lot of layer two switching and a lot of wireless. And so the campus is pretty big and I'm going around trying to redesign a lot of areas for how wireless is used now versus how it was before when it was just about coverage. And so that's a very unique environment with a lot of different demands and and requirements that people want, especially when it comes to lecture halls. So that's my background. I do have a networking background. Um, Actually, I started off in systems administration, dealing with servers and Microsoft servers and mail servers, and I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore but <laughs> and and so do I and when I do have time I actually do a lot of wireless for other companies in the bay area and and some select companies that are not in california but I do help others with wireless design configuration troubleshooting and so that's on top of doing my day job and the podcast yes i mean you're really busy obviously i mean just for everyone's benefit uh, you wake up at um, 4.45? I mean, what's the time now at the moment in California? Right now, it is 5.45 a.m. Yes, yeah, so really early. So thanks very much for waking up so early to talk to me. Um, so let's talk about Stanford. I mean, how many students are there 
on, on the campus or how many do you have to support kind of thing? There's a lot. There's over, I believe, <clears throat> over 10,000 students that are on campus, I believe. Yeah, so you, I mean, you've got 10,000 students, but you've also got like uh, got faculty, um, staff and yeah. Yeah, faculty, staff, on. and that's over, uh, I think altogether, that's over 12,000 to support everyone. Um, and and so we for wireless, we're, I, we do wireless for the camp. I'm not the only wireless guy. Uh, I mean, there's, we have other network engineers. Sure. Uh, but there are some of us who, who focus more on the wireless side. And we have to support all of those people and all the different applications they want to use. So it can get pretty demanding at times, especially when there's events coming and people want to do some pop-up events where there's no Wi-Fi there. It's just a tent, maybe. Wow. So we have to work with some unique environments and especially dealing with a campus that's uh, that, that's got architecture that nobody wants to modify, uh, it can get challenging. <laughs> I'm just going to make a joke now. I mean, university students, a lot of people have this perception that they're not the, how do you say, the most user-friendly type of people to support. Yeah, you know, uh, higher education get, is in that niche. <laughs> I would just say there there can be some pains. You know, we, we go through that sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I think that's on par for any university, but uh, we try our best. I mean, we, we want Wi-Fi to work. We don't want to have the stigma of we don't want to make it work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people, and I mean, I'm, I'm assuming, I mean, it, it, it's a trend. Younger people, university students are extremely demanding. When they think of the internet, I think a lot of people think Wi-Fi is the internet. That's how they get onto the internet. I mean, MacBooks today, iPads, iPhones, all these devices don't have physical connections. So, what do you what are your thoughts on the sort of trend away from physical networks to wireless and how is Wi-Fi 6 kind of you know making you excited for you know supporting your your user base I mean it, it's great right because we don't have to stick to a single desk right so yeah. we can move I, I do this at work sometimes I don't want to sit at my desk I will go somewhere else and sit maybe at one of the cafes on campus or or an area that's kind of have like peace and quiet where no one can just walk up to me. And I do that wirelessly. Same with any other student that wants to work, say, on the grass during the summer. They'll want wireless there. I mean, there's there's some sometimes where we can't provide that because in order to provide wireless, you got to have a cable going to the access point. And yeah. sometimes um, that requires trenching, uh, digging holes or digging uh, digging the, the ground to run cabling to to access points. Um, what what I see where Wi-Fi six comes into play because. Wi-Fi 6 really deals with high efficiency. That's the name that they've given it, right? With AC, we had very high throughput. And so now we're trying to make Wi-Fi more efficient with what we have. And I think when all our devices are Wi-Fi 6, that's when we're going to see a lot of the benefits of, of Wi-Fi. And uh, because of that high efficiency, then we'll lead to better throughput, lower latency, and it, it'll be a much more pleasant experience when it comes to high density type environments, right? Your lecture halls, your events, uh, even your dorms. Uh, that could potentially increase your user experience. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you said like the, I mean, we started off talking about like Wi-Fi 6, but, and then you said 802.11ac. So I'm gonna I'll start, you'll start with the basics. Why is it called Wi-Fi 6 rather than some other acronym or is it called by some name? There's so many acronyms, I think, that it, it, we needed to make something a little bit more simpler, uh, especially for people who don't work in 
who, who are not in the trenches of wireless, right? I call yeah. it 802.11ax. Uh, I call it 802.11ac. Those are the actual names, the standard names that yeah. IEEE has came up with. But uh, the normal student, faculty, staff, they have no idea what that is, right? It's just Wi-Fi. And, yeah. and to them, um, calling it Wi-Fi 6, they know like that's the latest standard wi-fi 6 and they know that if they see the wi-fi 6 sticker then that's they're buying the latest equipment with the latest technology right uh that that term came out of the wi-fi alliance whose job is to you know integrate these technologies with society and make sure it gets marketed properly out there and, and i think it's a good name right uh for for the average person because uh, no one's going to know when i say 802.11ax what the heck is that, right? So Wi-Fi 6 makes sense. And then uh, if you go backwards, right, Wi-Fi 5 is 802.11ac and so forth. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. When I look at the names, IEEE names, like 802.11a, and then we got B, and we got G, and we got N, and <laughs> Wave 2. I mean, it's ridiculous. How is a normal person, and when I say normal person, a non-technical person, yeah. going to understand, like, what that actually means? Like, I mean, is A better than G? Is A better than N? I mean, it doesn't, there's no sort of logic unless you're a technical person. Right, you wouldn't know. And and IEEE works that way in sequence with the letters, right? And yeah. the reason why they're in, on AX is because the single letters have already been taken up. <laughs> we don't necessarily hear about all of them. And some of those letters are very specific to different things. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, it's not just Wi-Fi. It's other things as well, yeah? Yeah, Wi-Fi 6 encompasses a lot of different standards and amendments that have been created, right? You, you've got 802.11i. Nobody knows what that is, but that's security for, for Wi-Fi. That's your PSK, your pre-shared key that you type into your wireless network. It's a very good point, that. So I'm glad you've raised that. So let's get to the very important question. How fast or how quick, because that's all we care about, speed throughput no i'm just kidding how <laughs> how quick how quick is wi-fi 6 compared to wi-fi 5 like in theory and, and i don't know if you've had any practical experience deploying it yet like what is your experience in theory it should increase your throughput but a lot of that is going to be dependent on your environment because wi-fi in general uses what's called uh, unlicensed frequency that means uh, anyone can develop piece of equipment that can work on the same frequency as Wi-Fi. So that's your, that could be cordless phones, that could be wireless cameras. And everyone that creates this equipment interprets these standards very differently. So sometimes um, these equipment can maybe not work properly over Wi-Fi, which could yeah. effectively lower your speed, right? Your throughput and your speeds. And, and I've seen this all the time on campus where even an Apple TV and this is not to harp on Apple. This is just maybe... Um, a lot of people use Apple. A lot of people yeah. use Apple. It's just sometimes yeah. drivers, right? Like yeah. we talk about drivers and firmware. Sometimes they don't work the way they should. And I've seen an Apple TV just kind of slow down the network for everyone in the surrounding area. And, but when we replaced it, it was fine. And so when it comes to throughput, Wi-Fi 6 is really aimed towards efficiency. And, and just remember, it's high efficiency. So we're not... To, we're not really aiming towards increasing throughputs dramatically. I think as a, a byproduct of the efficiency, we're going to see throughput increase. Yeah. But that said, we I don't think we're going to see this until all the devices on the network are Wi-Fi 6. 
I mean, you've said that a few times now, you know, high efficiency, it's efficiency. So can you explain what that actually means? So, I mean, if I'm in the middle of the desert and I've got a little Wi-Fi AP by my, by my side, it doesn't sound like it's going to make a lot of difference. But in your environment with a whole bunch of students roaming around, it sounds like they'll make a difference. So could you explain that in more detail? And let's go a bit technical. Yeah, yeah. So if we go back to what we're using now, which is AC or Wi-Fi 5, yeah. That was called very high throughput. That means that we were we had um, better uh, or increased channel bonding, right? So if you think in 20 megahertz, 40 megahertz, 80 megahertz, 160 megahertz, the the more channels you add, right, you're you're widening your lane so you can push more data. Uh, that increases your throughput. Now we're not increasing any channels in Wi-Fi 6, what we're doing is making better use of those channels. So if you think in terms of like a single lane highway and you've got a single car going through, it's like a single transmission. When a device wants to talk or transmit, it's going to send data. But it's like one device at a time. A single transmission, doesn't matter how much data it's going to push, it's just a single transmission going through. right? And, and you've driven on a highway, you've, you've seen cars where, or you've been behind a car that's maybe too slow. Right. Yep. You're driving your Ferrari, and <laughs> I wish <laughs> there's a little uh, I don't know Pinto in front of you, and it's just not moving as fast as you can. Right. That's very similar to Wi-Fi, where you've got devices that may be slower that have the legacy protocols, maybe your 802.11b or G or N, and then you've got your latest, your your 802.11ac. That's your Ferrari. You're driving behind. Um, you're, you're transmitting behind somebody that's maybe too slow. So you have to wait for that device to transmit, get off, and then you can get on. You might transmit faster because you've got faster um, speeds, more spatial streams, more radios, you know, your two by twos, three by threes, four by four. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you about all of those terms in a moment, but carry on. But with 802.11ax uh, or Wi-Fi 6, uh, they introduce, um, so, let me back up a little bit. That term that I've just discussed right there is called OFDM, orthogonal frequency division multiplexing. Yeah. With Wi-Fi 6, they introduced something, a technology that they're borrowing or using from cellular technologies called OFDMA, and that's ortho orthogonal frequency division multiple access. And what that means is that they're taking that single lane highway or that single channel and they're dividing that up into smaller channels so multiple transmissions can go out at the same time. So if you take that single lane highway, and Cisco has done a great job at this analogy for this, and what they've done is instead of that single car or maybe, uh, let's use a truck as an example, like a big rig, and you're only sending very little data. Like A lot of data that we send are very small packets yeah. of data. And so that's inefficient in Wi-Fi if you're just sending very small packets one transmission at a time. With Wi-Fi 6, you take a truck and you just fill that truck with you know, large amounts of data and you, you divvy that up and that's different clients that you could transmit to or, a client, or multiple clients can transmit on that same channel at the same time, but divvying up that channel into smaller channels so every client is allocated a specific channel or a specific uh, length of a channel and at least now in a single transmit or what we call a transmit opportunity TXOP we can send multiple transmissions there and so that's making better use of that single channel and taking advantage of a lot of transmissions that are smaller packet sizes or frame sizes the payloads and then just 
with that efficiency, we should see throughput increase theoretically because because of that. And uh, that's kind of the the gist of it. Um, I, I will I'll send you a link, uh, David, of the the Cisco video that really uh, kills it on the analogy because it's it's really good. It, um, it really helps it. people understand what we're talking about when it comes to Wi-Fi six because I think Wi-Fi six is the most complex. Uh, protocol right now for wireless it's it's a lot to understand and there's so many things that nobody has talking uh, has spoken about but that's that's why i'm talking to you because you're going to talk you're going to talk about it <laughs> i'll try my best <laughs> of course uh, now putting you on the spot so i mean just for everyone's benefit i warned Rowell that on this call i'm going to poke him because i want to try and get to the nitty-gritty and try and get a good understanding of how all of this works so Rowell, hopefully we'll get through all of it during this call but you know, um, just just let me know if I'm poking too hard. So <laughs> let's go back because you mentioned a whole bunch of terms there. So let's start right at the beginning. In Wi-Fi, we have these things called channels. So as an analogy, are you is that kind of like a radio channel where I'm like in my car driving and then I go to a certain frequency and then I get a, a radio station? Is that, is that what is that what you're talking about? That that is exactly it, right? A channel um, in Wi-Fi terms is really a range of frequencies. So in 2.4 gigahertz, there's 14 channels in the U.S. Um, but we only use, we like to use three channels because they're what we call non-overlapping. And I don't know if you guys recall ever being in the car, listening to a radio, and then you hear two radio stations at the same yeah. time, right? That's, that's similar to having channel, um, access points operating on the same channel in the same area. And so it's hard to understand what's going on when you have access points on the same channel um, providing service in the same area for a bunch of devices. And think of Wi-Fi as a, as a like standard radio, uh, like a two-way radio where you have to speak, you have to wait for the other person to respond. But if you guys try to talk at the same time, nothing happens because no one understood each other or that transmission failed because you can't speak at the same time. That's how that's how Wi-Fi works. It's really like one user or one device transmitting at a time, but it happens very quickly. Yes, I mean this is that going back to the analogies. Um, I just want to give people, you know, the, the the foundation, and then we we can come back to this OFDMA. Is that right? Yeah, uh, that's correct. And and Mu Mimo Mimo Thingamajig. So we still need to get to that. But let's start with the basics. Okay, so we've got a channel, which is kind of like 20 megahertz is the size of a channel. Starting, starting at 20 megahertz, yeah. Okay, so then you, so that's like a radio station broadcasting on a specific channel. Um, in, in Ethernet, we have carrier sense multiple access collision detection. And I think what you've just explained is this carrier sense multiple access collision avoidance, avoidance. So CSMA slash CA, yeah? Is that right? That's correct. Now, I've heard some hype that um, Wi-Fi, and I'm going to not mention names, but Wi-Fi used to be like a hub, but now in this new version, it's like a switch type thing. And I've read that actually in, in some technical books um, because it sounds like what you've said is in this new version of Wi-Fi, rather than like a 20, 20 giga, megahertz, sorry, it's megahertz, is that right? 20 megahertz channel and only one person being able to speak on that channel, like with your um, your two-way radio analogy, now that channel is split up into sub-channels where traffic from multiple multiple people can be uh, can be sent at the same time. Is that is that correct? It is correct, and the I th I still think using the term switch is still incorrect in a way, and and I think 
the reason why vendors like to use the word switch or switch like is because of the the theoretical speeds that you can get out of Wi-Fi six and even in uh, in Wi-Fi five, getting over a gig, right? Yeah. They always mention over a gig, so they're saying it's switch like because in a switch we're used to one gig ports. Um, I think it's getting closer to being like a switch, but it's still technically not. It's still half duplex. Uh, Wi-Fi is still a half duplex medium. So yeah, we're dealing with collision avoidance. And whenever there is a collision, you know, in Wi-Fi, you have to back off uh, what they, what's termed as, okay, the, I, I sense a collision because I did not get a, a acknowledgement of my frame from yeah. the recipient. So I'm going to wait because I think there's, there's something going on and, and it's a random timer. And that's what actually slows down your throughput is if you have a lot of collisions, the wait time starts to increase, that window starts increasing as you uh, have more collisions. But I still yeah, so think you, Switch-like is sorry, in, in, sorry. an improper term. Sorry, I interrupted you there. So you're saying it's still, it still acts like a hub mm -hmm. even in Wi-Fi 6? It's uh, it's because we're subdividing the channels, and when you subdivide those channels, it's still a very specific frequency. So a device will lock on to that specific frequency, and only that device should be using that frequency. And that's why so, I say Wi-Fi six will be better when all the devices are using Wi-Fi are all Wi-Fi six. So when you mentioned about channels, and I'm sorry to hop on this, I just want to try and get through some of these terms, and then we can like take it to Wi-Fi six. We had a single channel, and then you mentioned in AC, I think, that um, they do this thing called channel bonding or something. Can you explain that? Yeah, so channel bonding is, is very common in the 5 gigahertz frequency. And so in 5 gigahertz, you have multiple channels, uh, 20 megahertz channels, I think about 24, 25. And so the most common, the first one is channel 36, and then your next channel is channel 40. If you bond those two together, channel 36 and 40, put them together, you now have a 40 megahertz wide channel and you have a channel bigger, uh, big enough to hold more data so your throughput goes goes higher. So is that the analogy like I had a single lane and now I've got two lanes on a highway or something? Is yeah, that that's right? correct, yeah. Yeah, you've doubled your lanes, right? So you, if you look at traffic as an example, single lane, all that traffic behind in that single lane, it's slow. But if you open up a lane, you ever notice how some cars just start going to the second lane? Now you can now it speeds up. There's more cars going down the road. That's a that's a good analogy, yeah. So I mean the AC didn't actually increase the speed of like a single channel, or did it do that in addition to, you know, increasing the speed by giving us more channels? Yeah, it gave us um the 116 megahertz channel width, which I personally don't use anywhere. Uh, and there's a number of reasons why, which we can dig into. Yeah, so I mean, the, the, the way, just trying to understand this, the way that the speed increased is because we've got more lanes and then yeah. we can bond that and send more data mm -hmm. by using multiple lanes from the, uh, from the access point down to a client, yeah? That's correct. So can you explain MIMO, or how do you pronounce it, MIMO? And, you know, I believe there was a difference between AC and AX now. That's quite a big change. Yeah, so there's, um, MIMO was introduced, I think, back in 802.11n, um, and that's multiple input, multiple output. And that's just meant to, um, the best way to explain this is to speed up the, the medium by using multiple radios on your access point or your devices. 
and being able to s- transmit again more data. That's it, we're just trying to transmit more data as fast as we can with uh, without breaking the law of physics. Yeah, yeah. I saw I saw you had an interview. Um, and you were talking about this issue about the law of physics, and it seems like this is a major issue for a lot of wireless deployments. Is this you can't bend physics, and you have to, you know, you'd love to go faster, but physics doesn't allow you. Type of thing is that right? Right, and and a lot of it is also because of the unlicensed frequency that we use. Right, if you have a licensed frequency, which our devices can't use that because it has to be tuned to that frequency, then I mean that frequency is all yours. It's a lot cleaner. You can do potentially like full duplex tech, uh, wireless technologies, and that's that's actually capable. That's out there, and but we see that a lot with point-to-point transmissions. Explain this thing about the 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 multiple antennas, because I see like Netgear and some of these vendors have like a whole bunch of antennas on their AP. So how does it work with these antennas? Um, you, you know, why does how does it work? practically to send more data? Do the antennas work on different uh, frequencies or how does it work? Yeah, so the there's a set of radios that will work on 2.4 gigahertz and a set of radios that will work on 5 gigahertz. And then you'll have multiple what's called radio chains, right? You'll see like 2 by 2, 3 by 3, 4 by 4. All that really means is you got two uh, transmit and two receive. Three transmit, three receive. Um, and so what that means is you can use uh, that number of radios to transmit data. And the reason why more antennas is usually good is because you can now use um, like antenna diversity. So maybe one antenna can set, uh, hear a transmission better than another radio. And so there's these algorithms that, that these vendors use to try to take advantage of that through one antenna and then there's a lot of what we call reflections because signal bounces around everywhere yeah. yeah and maybe another antenna can hear some of that transmission and so what it'll try to do is combine those signals internally and try to basically boost that received signal so it can what's called demodulate that signal uh, take that that signal in the air and make it digital and make it understandable I think that's a really important. Sorry, I interrupted you. Carry on. No, no, I'm saying that's that's basically why we have more an- antennas on access points. Is that also helps increase your your um, your speed, your throughput on your wireless network. Uh, you can send more data that way, and and the the signal is more resilient with with multiple antennas because now you got more ears listening and and more mouths talking. I think it's a really important point that you raised. I mean, the the whole idea here is we're taking a digital stream of zeros and ones, and then we modulating it into waves on the air, and then somehow trying to demodulate that on the other side back into zeros and ones. So, I mean, if, I, I liked your analogy of the radio stations because if there's a lot of noise from other devices communicating, it becomes difficult to demodulate that. Um, so, pushing you on this now. So, when if I've got I mean, you call it radio chaining. If I've got like two by two type thing where I've got two transmitting and two receiving, they still use in the traditional sense only one channel. Is that right? Or do they split channels, use multiple channels? How does it work? Yeah, it's uh, it's based on whatever channel you've configured your access point to use. That's what those those radio chains will use, the operating channel that's configured. So whether that's 
uh, 20 megahertz wide or 40, it's going to use whatever channel you've configured to, to use it for. So I know in Wi-Fi 6, they suddenly have increased this. So can you just talk around that? And I, I, I don't want to try and mention the values because I'll get it wrong. But I know in AAC, it went higher and then AX, it went higher again. About the channels? Yeah, so you, all the radio chaining, is it 8 by 8 by 8 or something? Yeah, so they've increased that in uh, Wi-Fi 6 to 8 by 8 which there aren't many access points right now that are that are 8 by 8 and that's just a lot more radio chains because of how complex Wi-Fi is now with Wi-Fi 6 and all the sub-channels you have, you're going to want a lot of antennas to to be able to grab that signal and also to be able to send that signal. And, and also a lot of that depends on another term, MU-MIMO, which we can get into also. Yeah, let's talk about that. I mean, so firstly, I mean, what you're saying is 8 by 8 means 8 transmit, 8 receive type setup, yep. is that right? That's correct. And, and, that's, and that's greater than AC, which was 4 by 4, is that right? Yeah. So, I mean, so they, they, they basically allowed you to add, add more radios, radios to, to get, get better, better throughput. throughput. Based on like what, what you said, more ears and more mouths, mouths I, suppose, I suppose, is the analogy. Yeah, and, and, and it's not just for the access points. It's for the devices, too. The limiting factor for that, though, is the reason why you don't see an 8x8 phone is because that would probably drain your battery you know, within minutes because of how many uh, electronics have to be powered up in order to have an 8x8. Right? Most of our mobile devices are 2x2 two two, uh, to transmit to receive. Um, and so maybe the question is, well, why why should I have an eight by eight or even a four by four, if my devices are two by two? Yeah. Well, when when you talk about things like MU MIMO, you could use different antennas to send data to um, like a beam form uh, beam forming, like send a signal out a specific antenna towards a specific direction um, passively because the antennas aren't an active antenna; it's not. It's not changing its internals to like send data, but it's going to try to uh, form a signal towards a general area of where maybe that device would be. So I could send a device to or a transmission to you, David, but then somebody else could be sitting on this side, and I could send a transmission there using different antennas. And I, the thing is, for me, with MU MIMO or multi-user, multi-user, multiple input, multiple output, is that it's very hard to to really see if that works. Well, it's hard for me to see if that works with the technology I have access to, right? Um, there isn't, say, like a command line where I can go, how yeah. well is MU MIMO working? Um, and and so and also MU MIMO depends on the spatial diversity of the clients. So if you have ten clients all clustered together, it's kind of hard to beam form to one of those 10 clients because they're all in the same general direction uh and and that's where you'll hear a lot of people saying like maybe mu mimo doesn't work but for me it's i don't know how to check if it actually works i mean it's very interesting what you said so just so that i understand because once again i'm going to be the guy that is the slowest student in the room um beam forming is as you explained it, so you can push a beam this way and a beam that way to try and get better throughput. And then just on this MU MIMO, what, there, there's a difference now, a big difference that I read between this and AC or Wi-Fi 5, isn't there? Something to do with the receiving and the transmitting. Yeah, it allows, so in AC or Wi-Fi 5, it was what they call downlink. 
So from the AP to the client, you could do uh, MU-MIMO. With 11AX, you can do MU-MIMO in both directions. You could do it downstream and also from the client back to the AP. So does that mean that getting back to like your your example, of it's not switch, it's not a switch, but it's switch getting closer to switch like. So that means that the AP can send to multiple clients at the same time, but the multiple clients can send back at the same time. Is that right? Yeah, it's getting to where it, it seems like a switch, but it's still half duplex. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, the it, idea it, is, is like if you, sorry, go on. No, 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 go ahead. No, I was just going to say, my apologies to everyone. Um, Rowell's in California. I'm in the UK. There's quite a bit of delay on the link. So forgive us for, you know, for over, you know, speaking one another. This is the problem. We're doing wireless here, dude. It's like, <laughs> it's not full duplex. But sorry, you carry on. Uh, the, I already lost my train of thought there, but... I was, I was, so, so I was going to say, you know, it's not like a switch. You, 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 it's kind of getting to switch like where the, where the AP can send at the same time. Sorry, the AP can send to multiple clients at the same time and the clients can send back at the same time. Um, so did you want to say something about that or I'm going to push you now? Yeah, so the caveat there is we always have to remember with Wi-Fi 6 is we're taking one channel and say that's channel 36 and we're dividing that channel into sub-channels, which are very small frequencies. So that's what the devices tune to. They tune to that small frequency, which, which Wi-Fi 6, they, it's called resource unit. And so the resource unit is the small channel. And when I say channel, a channel in Wi-Fi is also a frequency. So it's a very small frequency that uh, a, a device will tune to and transmit or receive on that frequency. And that's how you can get the multiple devices being able to receive or transmit because then the AP with its you know, chips and the math can determine, okay, that client is on this sub-channel of ch channel 36 and that client's on this sub-channel. It coordinates all that. And uh, the resource units, it, it's a, it could expand into different um, combinations, right? So uh, with resource units, if you, if, if a device took up the full channel, that's one resource unit, but the full channel, technically that's 242 resource units and that device can use it all. You can further subdivide that channel into smaller resource units. I'm not gonna bore everyone with all the numbers, but let's say there's two devices, you can split that channel into two, cha uh, two sub-channels and they can transmit and receive at the same time. So that's kind of the logic, it goes further down and you can have up to like eight sub-channels. Yes, I mean, this is quite a change, isn't it? Because in the past, we had like a channel, 20 megahertz, and only I could speak on that, or you could speak on that. But now, they're breaking it up into these, uh, did you call it resource units or sub-channel type thing, yeah? Yeah, it, it, in the in the, amend, the draft, it's called uh, resource units. But really, I like to say call it sub-channels because we speak in channels anyways. So that's what it really is. Yeah, so basically you're taking 20 megahertz and you're splitting it, say, in two. So you and I both get 10 megahertz. So we can both send at the same time because rather than using the full channel, we're using one of these sub-channels. Right, yeah. But I it's still CSMA slash A. Sorry, CSMA slash CSMA. still collision avoidance because there's still a possibility of collisions that can happen, um, right? And then um, one thing I didn't mention before is we still have this transition from Wi-Fi 5 to Wi-Fi 6. So you're going to have a mix of devices. 
and the wife anything that's not Wi-Fi six is not going to be able to take advantage of those Wi-Fi six capabilities because you have to be a Wi-Fi six device. Yeah. So all the previous uh, versions of Wi-Fi they use the full channel. Is that correct? Yeah. So if you wanted to transmit, and I wanted to transmit, I'd have to wait for you. But with I'd have to wait for you to transmit first, and then I can transmit. And then with Wi-Fi six. The AP can just subdivide the channel, and we can both transmit at the same time. So it's like, it's like going to a fast food drive-through, you know, single lane drive-through. Yeah. You had to wait for the guy in front of you to order, but then they came out with two lane drive-throughs. Yeah. So now you can you can place two orders at the same time. Like they try to make that efficient, that line more efficient, and make you go through the line faster. It's it's, it's very similar to that. I mean, that's great. I mean, I can understand the analogy of using a switch because it kind of sounds like that, but not entirely because it's still carrier avoidance within that channel. And if you have a an old device broadcasting like crazy on that channel, it's going to affect you. Exactly. Like, I was saying exactly. When th- this is what Wi-Fi 6 is trying to solve is that density problem because uh, it, what I like to tell people about Wi-Fi is you have this pie on the table, right, this delicious-looking yeah. pie. If you were the only one there at that table, you can have that pie all to yourself. But as soon as somebody else comes, now you got to split that pie maybe in half, right? Depends how hungry you guys are for for data. And then the more people come, that smaller you get a smaller slice of that pie. That's kind of like that's kind of how Wi-Fi is. Is the more people there are, the a small sliver of airtime you're gonna get, right? And because this. Uh, this is the first time I mentioned airtime because Wi-Fi travels through the air. What we're trying to do is get people to communicate and get off the air faster, right? Transmit your data, get off the air so somebody else can can transmit. And so that's what we're trying to make more efficient is that airtime utilization, that airtime efficiency is what they what they call it. I mean, I'm glad you've used that analogy of the pie because, I mean, the problem, I think, with Wi-Fi is we've only got a certain number of channels, haven't we? So, I mean, you mentioned, like, they're trying to extend the channels. Is that right in Wi-Fi 6, give more channels? Uh, or? They're, they're not trying to extend the channels. There's a separate project where they're in, I know, in the U.S., I'm not sure about other countries, they're trying to expand the number of uh, another frequency, like a, the 6 gigahertz frequency for Wi-Fi. And if they did that, we would have a lot more frequency to use and distribute users across different frequencies so that way everyone can get access to different pies, right? There's more pies available. And that way there's um, less what, um, what what's called, this is the first time I'm going to say this, contention. Um, because if you think in terms of a switch, right, you, yeah. uh, you have a single port, a switch, switch port, and whatever's connected there, that's a single collision domain, right? I'm sure your 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 yep. audience will understand that. Yeah. Um, with a hub, hopefully you guys know what a hub is. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the audience is like CCNA level. I think most people know what a hub is. Yeah. It's just I haven't seen a hub in so long except for wireless. I can go and get you one. I've got one upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> but a hub is a single collision domain. Yep. That's what Wi-Fi is. It's like It's like a hub. It's a single collision domain. And so when we have different channels, we're trying to create different collision domains because if you have channel one and channel six, those are two collision domains. But if you have channel an AP on channel one, uh, let's say here's a room, here's an AP and an AP right here, both on channel one, that is effectively a single collision domain because they're on the same channel. So what we're trying to do is create multiple collision domains 
so that we don't run into um, uh, what's called uh, like co-channel contention where a lot of channels, a lot of devices are contending to use airtime because they're all on, they're all communicating on the same channel. I'm really liking these analogies of the Pi and the and the Hub. So let me try and break this down. If you've if you you've got 2.4 gigahertz, you've got five gigahertz, and then maybe six gigahertz. So let's just use 2.4 and and five at the moment. Is it correct to say that like 2.4 we have a certain number of hubs because each channel, and then in five we've got a certain number of hubs each channel. Um, but if you do bonding, it's like joining multiple hubs together. So you've got like more co- possible collisions if, if guys are overlapping on those channels. Right. <clears throat> Except that when you channel bond, that becomes one hub. Yeah. Um, and then if you, we just have less channels to use, right? So if you've got, say, a campus environment and a large building, or actually, no, what's better to use is like an apartment complex. There's a yeah. lot of users there, right? And typically in an apartment complex, Wi-Fi is terrible. And that's because yeah. everybody is stepping on each other's frequent uh, on the same channels. There's only so many channels you could use that yeah. you have to reuse those channels. And so the more often you have to reuse that channels, the more you'll have contention because now I'm on channel 36, but so are, you know, the 10 neighbors that are around me. I, I could all hear their networks. And so when we're all trying to watch Netflix at the same time on the same channel, everyone's got to communicate one at a time, right? You got to send those, those frames one at a time. And so the more you have on a single channel, uh, the less, uh, the smaller slice you have of that pie. And that's what Wi-Fi six is trying to solve with, with the efficiency of, of how those channels are used. Yes. It's like breaking the channel up into smaller hubs, if you like, and putting people on smaller little collision domains. Right. Yeah. Because the transmissions are so tiny. We're not, we're not usually transmitting large amounts, of, a large packet size, a large payload size. It's usually very tiny. It's like little get requests, right, to a website, and that's all you really, all you really need. It's not like you're requesting a, a, a payload larger than two thousand bytes usually. So it's it's usually small, and that's why they wanted to split those channels into smaller subchannels. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the data that we're sending is say voice over IP uh, or small data sizes so it makes sense to rather than have a big channel break it into smaller channels because everyone's sending smaller packets anyway so the analogy of like stacking stuff within a truck or or a big a big van or something yeah yeah and and one of the things um with wi-fi 6 is the scheduling piece where um with ofdma when you have everyone transmitting at the same time that is a single transmit opportunity so they're all trans they the they all contend to to transmit and that's a transmit opportunity and they all send their data so that's like the analogy of the truck being all like you send that truck off and it's got all that data on there and then the ap receives it and it's the same way coming back so i mean i I wanted to ask you about we were talking about the apartment complex um there's two things here i wanted to ask you about this coloring thing so is that how does that in wi-fi 6 can you explain what that is firstly and how does it help yeah, so there's this concept of BSS color, and that BSS is a basic service set. And a basic service set is just another name for, um, like, your your SSID. Your yeah. SSID on 2.4 gigahertz, that is a basic service set. It is a separate basic service set if you're broadcasting that same SSID on 5 gigahertz. And so if we just take 2.4 gigahertz as an example, 
if somebody else is transmitting on channel one, the same channel you're transmitting, with Wi-Fi six, you'd be assigned a color. And and technically there is no color like blue. It's really just a number. I don't know why they call it color. It's uh it's an it's numbers from one through sixty-three. And so you could be assigned color ID number one and your neighbor also on channel one can be ID number ten, for example. So if your device was transmitting and it heard a transmission on channel one uh in in the in the actual if you look at the frame and one of the fields it'll say the bss color your device will say okay what bss color is that that is not my bss color so i don't care so it'll uh just let it send the data and part of that technology um is that with bss coloring it'll help tell devices hey turn down your transmit power because you're broadcasting way too high that it's sending the transmission like way over there to another BSS that's also on the same channel. That's the best way I could put it right now. And uh, the BSS color is really just meant to say, that's not my BSS, so I'm going to transmit anyways, but at a lower transmit power, so I don't transmit on top of their transmission and ruin their signal. So, I mean, this coloring thing works because... Let's say you're talking next door to me and I'm talking. If I see your color, in the past I would have had to back off, but now I don't. Is that right? Yeah, it gives you kind of a sense for, and it's super technical in the documentation, but it allows you to just transmit without waiting. It just yeah. just transmit your data, but at a lower transmit power, so that way you don't uh, cause a collision with your with a, the other BSS in a different color. Um, but there still is a possibility of collisions. The thing with BSS coloring is I have not ever seen that in in action. So I'm very curious how that's going to play out in a high-density environment like apartment complexes or dorms. It's interesting that you say that. I mean, I think it's important that we, we preface this by saying there's so few devices that support Wi-Fi 6 at the moment that a lot of what we're talking about is pre-standard. Standard's only being ratified at the end of 2019. Is that right? Um, it's supposed we'll to be at the year. end of two, 2019. It might go into 2020. Um, no one has said anything yet, but um, I'm pretty sure it'll be ratified soon. And have you have you seen this out in the wild, or is it more like in labs? It's more in labs. I, I mean, I have two Wi-Fi 6 access points here, but I have no Wi-Fi 6 devices. I came this close to getting a Samsung S10, but... <laughs> so you tweet about that. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't help at all because it's a single device, right? When I test this, uh, it's going to look great to me because I'm going to get the best speeds. I'm going to get high data rates. I'm going to get, I'm going to see what was advertised by the vendors, but it's a whole different beast when you have to, when you bring in multiple devices, like hundreds of those and have maybe a dorm setting and a, and a apartment complex setting. Cause that's where, that's the environment that this, the, the Wi-Fi six is catered to high density and making that yeah, I mean, more efficient. Yeah, you said high efficiency. So, I mean, high efficiency isn't going to work very well if you have one device. Right. There's no efficiency there. I just have full access to that to that channel. <laughs> so, Rowell, reading through some of the documentation um, about this, I believe there was a big change in Wi-Fi 6 versus Wi-Fi 5 to do with 2.4 versus 5. Is that right? Um, it's There isn't like a big change. It's just... Uh, People are saying 2.4 gigahertz might make a comeback because of the efficiencies that will come to 2.4 gigahertz. That might be the case, but we still have only three 
non-overlapping channels to work with. But sorry, what I was trying to get to is that in AC, so Wi-Fi 5, 2.4 gigahertz, was it supported or wasn't it supported? Uh, 2.4 wasn't part of Wi-Fi 5. Yeah, so, so in other words, they're bringing that back in Wi-Fi 6, is that correct? Yeah, so in Wi-Fi 6, it's we're going back to part of this backwards compatibility by by supporting 2.4 gigahertz and 5 gigahertz. Uh, I think maybe down the road, 6 gigahertz might be added to that, but we'll probably see a different, different uh, wireless standard by then. But with 2.4 gigahertz, we'll see all these same technologies that we've been talking about, your your airtime efficiency, BSS coloring, OFDMA, all apply to 2.4 gigahertz as well. But why did they bring back 2.4? Is it because of the distance? It can go further, that kind of thing? Or why, why, what are your thoughts on that? I think I think it's more about just having the available frequency, right? Like why ditch 2.4 when it's still there? Um, if, if we've been pushing a lot of devices to 5 gigahertz, but why not start using 2.4 gigahertz again if we can still add that efficiency there to 2.4 gigahertz. Most devices are dual band anyways. Dual band meaning they support 2.4 and 5 gigahertz. So it's there. Uh, might as well use it, right? Instead of just avoiding it altogether. That's a good point. So I mean, just to summarize for everyone's benefit, big change in, well, I mean, I think it's a big change is that in Wi-Fi 6 versus Wi-Fi 5, they have now are supporting 2.4 gigahertz channels. Yep, yep. One of the things I saw here is they talk about better latency or lower latency. Can you expand on like what does that mean or how does it work? Yeah, I think the latency is is trying to improve latency in a higher density situation because of so many devices trying to gain access to, to wireless. We tend to see wireless slow down in say like a conference type situation where there's so many people. They're all trying to get on Wi-Fi. It's slow. Things aren't loading very very quickly because of that latency. The latency increases as latency increases, your throughput decreases. And so, with the efficiencies that Wi-Fi six is bringing in with the the OFDMA, that's I think going to lower the latency because of the multiple access that OFDMA brings, and having multiple devices either transmit or receive um, simultaneously. Uh, that way. Like what we've talked about before, you're not waiting in line to transmit. You're just yeah. able to transmit along with others on just different subchannels. And I think that's what what's going to really improve the latency is because of that. And I mean, another caveat to all of this stuff that we're talking about is, I mean, we were talking about the joke about you trying to get a, uh, considering getting a Samsung phone, is this all these cool features only apply to Wi-Fi 6 devices, but it's not like everyone is going to replace all their Wi-Fi 5 devices like that tomorrow, are they? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, it's going to take a long time to have this transition from Wi-Fi 5 to Wi-Fi 6. I mean, we've seen this in the previous protocols, right? How long did it take to go from 802.11n to 802.11ac? But I think if we rely on some of these big vendors, right, you've got really big vendors now like Samsung, and, and Apple are the biggest two. Samsung being the first to push for this, I think we may see that transition happen faster as as people are now upgrading at faster cycles for their for their mobile devices. Maybe laptops are a different story because those are a, a much bigger investment. But none of these really are aren't going to be taken advantage of until we have 
all Wi-Fi 6 devices using the wireless network. But that being said, it may be possible to take advantage of that if, uh, say, an access point has a radio dedicated to just Wi-Fi 6. Yeah, because I wanted to talk about that a bit. Is You know, in the going back, I mean, I'm showing my age here. I remember there was this thing with 802.11b and how it was a major problem. It would slow the entire access point down and you used that example of the Apple TV. So I'm assuming that you could have these older devices that slow everyone down. Or is it is your your example of using a different radio going to try and solve that? That's, that's an idea that's been floated around um, is how to make sure your Wi-Fi 6 devices actually take advantage of Wi-Fi 6 is by putting them on a radio that Wi-Fi 5 and below cannot use. But if most vendors are probably just going to use the same radio. So that's that's where the analogy of you know you driving a Ferrari behind a slow car, that's what's going to happen for this transition period because we the, the AP has to shift from Wi-Fi 6 to the Wi-Fi 5 or even below, right, as it supports older protocols. Um, and we're going to see that that change for a couple of years because it's not going to, it's, it's going to be a while before everything is Wi-Fi 6. So do you suspect that like if, if people have still got like, I mean, they're going to have like Wi-Fi 5 devices and perhaps Wi-Fi 4 devices, that's going to inhibit sort of this delivery of all the cool speed and whatever of Wi-Fi 6? Yep, exactly. Because if an access point supports all of those protocols, right, when it shifts from Wi-Fi 6 to Wi-Fi 5 or Wi-Fi 4, it's not using OFDMA anymore. OFDMA being like the biggest improvement to, to wireless. It's not going to use that. It's going to use regular OFDM. And that's just one device taking up a whole channel to transmit whatever packet size it's trying to send. And so that, I think, is where people might initially say, well, I don't see a big improvement in Wi-Fi 6. And that's because you have to have Wi-Fi 6 devices. I mean, so you, in your experience, I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. How long did it take to go? Because you said it took a long time. But like in how many years do you reckon it would take based on your experience? I mean, this is obviously no one can hold you to this. But just based on like your experience, how long did it go from N to Wi-Fi 4 to Wi-Fi 5? And how long do you think it's going to go to take to go to Wi-Fi 6? Sorry. I think it took at least three years to yeah. start seeing. Uh, I mean, I still see 802.11n devices on my networks, so it's taken a long time. And and like at home, we can change that out pretty quickly. But if it, at the office, like wherever you work, your your business uh, or the business you work at, um, you also got to think about budget cycles, right? So people yeah. probably won't be upgrading their access points that quickly if they just upgraded to 11ac. And so you may have a Wi-Fi 6 device, but the venue you're at or the business you're at just hasn't even upgraded their APs to Wi-Fi 6 yet. And so we're going to see that same kind of transition everywhere is this upgrade cycle and this transition to Wi-Fi 6. It's going to take maybe at least three years plus, maybe five years. So what are you recommending to your customers? I mean, obviously, if it's NDA stuff, don't don't say, but like, what would you say if, if, if someone's considering buying Wi-Fi today? I mean, Cisco have just released their Wi-Fi 6 products. I mean, it's the time to get Wi-Fi 6 now. Is that right? It is, yeah. I mean, it's the, the cost difference between a Wi-Fi 6 AP and a Wi-Fi 5 AP is not even, There's an, it's probably a better savings to go with Wi-Fi 6. But let's say someone just upgraded to Wi-Fi 5 APs, I would say you, you, if you have the money, go and upgrade it to Wi-Fi 6 when there's more devices, 
or I say, hold off, wait for more devices, see what happens. Or if you're at a point where you have to buy access points and you don't upgrade your access points for another seven, five, seven years, I'd say just upgrade to Wi-Fi 6 now. I like that advice because I think it's very practical what you said there. People think about, okay, like today when we're recording this in May 2019, the only client that, I mean, I think you mentioned you found another client, but the only client that I could find was a Samsung phone. That's correct. There's only, if you want to get something off the shelf, Samsung S10 is the only Wi-Fi 6. I had to go find uh, uh, an internal card from uh, eBay and I have to open my laptop, my, my, my Windows laptop, and screw that card in there. And hopefully I have drivers that work. <laughs> hopefully. Yes, I mean, it's, it makes sense to upgrade access points today if you're at that point because... Yeah, if you have a long upgrade cycle, like let's say if, you're, if, you, have, if you have to upgrade today, but you're going to upgrade in three years from now, I'd say just wait. Um, if, if, if you can wait to upgrade to Wi-Fi 6, just wait to see what happens as devices roll out. But if you're upgrading today and your upgrade cycle's five, seven years, just upgrade to Wi-Fi 6 so that because by that time, you'll have Wi-Fi 6 devices uh, coming onto your network. Yeah, so I mean, the, so just to summarize, the big, you'll only start seeing the benefits of Wi-Fi 6 once you have clients and once the older clients have phased out because the older clients will be slowing down like your analogy of the Ferrari stuck behind a slow car. The old clients are slowing the new clients down anyway. That's brilliant. Rowell, so, I mean, I've been keeping you for an hour. So do you have any other recommendations or, you know, information about Wi-Fi 6? Because I've asked you a bunch of stuff, but is there anything that I've missed that you want to highlight? Um, there's there's one thing that we didn't even talk about because it's really technical is the modulation, right? Um, yeah. Most people don't know what modulation is used with Wi-Fi, but that also determines... The modulation determines your your data rate, your your how fast your 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 uh, throughput's going to be, and in Wi-Fi six they increase that to what's called ten twenty four QAM QAM, and um, realistically that's been very difficult to achieve a high modulation because the high modulation gives you the higher data rate, the higher throughput, but that's like taking a bow and arrow and trying to hit a bullseye from across the football field, right? It's got to be that accurate and you've got to have a clean um, wireless environment where there's not a lot of noise not a lot of interference and that's where also a lot of the the speed increase may come is from uh, 1024 qualm modulation and that's really just taking frequency and using um, uh, the the amplitude and the uh, the phase and adjusting that to send data at a higher modulation rate so we should just to, to simplify this so basically when you talk about modulation rate, I can put more data in on the on the I'd say on the wire, but that's not the right analogy. Like on the, the air, over the air, right? yeah, yeah. So in a in a in a period of a second, or I mean, millisecond or whatever, I can put more data on because I can modulate more data onto the air in either, in any given time slot. Is that right? That's right. And and you also have to consider that from the transmitter side, it may be modulating it at ten twenty four qualm but the receiver has to demodulate that signal. So if that signal is barely readable by the client, it's not going to acknowledge that it received it, which means the client will, the transmitter will have to resend that. And that's, 
that's called a retry. And that's typically when you have more retries, you have lower throughput. Yeah, so in theory, if, if your air is clean, uh, and I don't want to make a bad joke about air being clean, but I mean, like, there's not a lot of noise, not a lot of clients speaking. They could go up to this 1,024 qualm, is that right? Yeah, I think uh, it, it should be, it may be fairly possible because, again, we're taking a channel and subdividing it into smaller channels, which uh, having to tune to a smaller channel means your, your signal-to-noise ratio is going to be a lot better because you're not tuning to a larger frequency, you're tuning to a very uh, smaller frequency. And so we may be possible, might be possible to, to modulate and demodulate at 1024 qualm. But um, hopefully in a couple weeks, I should be able to test that. Brilliant. So I mean, just to summarize what that is, it's basically more data can be sent every time cycle or whatever you want to call it. So modulate more data onto the air um, and it goes to 1024 qualm previously what was it 256 was it or something yeah 256 qualm so it's quite a big jump and again it requires a lot of uh, like accuracy in hitting that modulation so um, we'll see when when more devices come out and people actually start testing it and sharing their tests whether or not we can actually hit that um, because it does require what's called a higher uh, SNR signal to noise ratio but in theory if it's clean, this is where we get this thing about four times or whatever. I think it was four times was quoted the speed of of Wi-Fi five. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where they're getting that number from. A from various um, aspects, right? Your your eight by eight, your the OFDMA, your your modulation scheme. Like they, they they've tested that in the lab and and said, yeah, we can get four times the better speed with this efficiency. Well, I've been hearing all this talk about IoT, you know, Internet of Things. There's all these devices. You've got an Alexa in your home that's listening in on what you're saying. Oh, no, sorry. Helping you control your devices in your home. You've got like bulbs that, you know, you can talk to. So can you explain, you know, what is Wi-Fi 6 got to do with IoT and why, you know, what is it? Why is it important? Yeah, uh, Wi-Fi 6 introduces something called target wake time or TWT. And this is supposed to help uh, devices with improving their power requirements. So there's going to be a lot of IoT devices that are battery powered, for example, or they don't really need to be talking on the wireless network often, but when they do, they need to power up their, you know, use more electronics and, and basically they need to stay alive as long as possible on that, on that battery. And so Wi-Fi, uh, the, anything before prior to Wi-Fi 6 had a, a different kind of power saving uh, mechanism, but with Wi-Fi 6, uh, it's going to help reduce contention onto the Wi-Fi medium and also reduce the amount of time a client needs to be awake. So there's going to be a schedule that the access point tells all the clients saying, hey, here's a schedule to wake up and transmit and receive data. And that's pretty much all it is. So when, when the client wakes up, it can just transmit data and then go back to sleep only when it only wakes up when it needs to, right? Instead of just having to wake up at these intervals, it knows exactly when it needs to wake up and transmit or receive data. Yeah, so basically, you could is, is it true that the AP could tell that, that, that um, IoT device, go to sleep, and not just milliseconds, but go to sleep for a long period of time, is that right? There's different ways that it can be done. It can be done from the access point where where the devices just listen to what the access point says, and it says, here's how long you're gonna sleep for wake up at this time and and then um, a device can also have its individual 
schedule and it's, it's going to choose how long it wants to sleep for and the AP has to keep track of that as well. Um, but those are the two main methods and it's really going to be dependent on how the vendors implement that into their into their APs and whether or not we actually see this in a lot of APs. So that's a lot of why there's a lot of waiting. We want to see what gets implemented on these access points. Yes, I mean, just coming back to a point, this stuff is is still pre, pre-release. pre So does, does Cisco, they've released this access point. Do you know if that supports this? I'm pretty sure it does. I'd have to look at the data sheets. There might be one AP that doesn't, but I'm pretty sure it supports target wake time. So, I mean, could the could the AP or could the device, I mean, however they negotiate, go to, could the device go to sleep for like half an hour or a day or mm-hmm. like a week or something? Is, is it long periods of time? Yeah, long, very long periods of time because of these IoT devices, right? They don't need to be on often. And so it could have its own individual target wake time schedule, and it just presents that to the access point. And you could actually see this if you dig deep into the frame captures. You'll see that. Uh, saying individual target wake time, and the AP can either take that in or say, no, you should follow mine. It's really, again, it just depends on how that's implemented down to the vendor. Yes, I mean, you were talking about like uh, AC was about speed, but here AX is about efficiency. So I'm assuming this is another type of efficiency. This is like power saving. Power saving Uh, efficiency, so that way your IoT devices uh, have longer battery life. Same thing with mobile devices and even laptops. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, your mobile phone won't be drained as much because the the phone basically turns off the ax- sorry the, the antenna, is that right? Yeah, it's not having to go, okay, let me turn them on and see if I have any data waiting for me. It just will go according to a schedule. So it doesn't have to wake up unless it needs to. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, previously this thing would turn on, have you got data for me? Turn on, have you got data for me? But yeah, it actually gets told, okay, I can go off for a, a week and then I'll send data and receive data in a week's time. Is that right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how it could be done. Uh, uh, it, the the draft doesn't specifically mention you know hours, days, or weeks, but yeah. I, I think that could be implemented depending on how the vendor does it. Yeah, I mean, there's. I think it's. I mean, I'm just pushing you here and poking you as I, as I said I would do. It's um, it's, a lot of the stuff still has to be implemented in. As we said, the only device currently that, that we could find was a Samsung S10 phone. So, I mean, I, I mean, another issue, I suppose, the, these these standards have lots of cool things that people could implement, but a lot of vendors, especially like IoT devi- uh, vendors, won't necessarily implement that to save on money. Right, yeah, and, that, and that's another point. And to save on money, does that mean a Wi-Fi 6 chip is too costly? Does that mean they'll they won't do Wi-Fi 6, they'll stick to Wi-Fi 5 or even 4 because it's cheaper. Um, This is where I I tell the community to engage with the vendors you use and try to get them to say, hey, why aren't you using Wi-Fi 6 or even at least Wi-Fi 5 on your your devices? Because I see a lot of devices that are just old because the manufacturer opted to go cheap on the Wi-Fi card. Yeah, I mean, that's the point. You know, if you're buying an IoT device, most people just look at cheap, don't they? And that's like a problem with security, and it's going to be a problem with Wi-Fi as well. Yeah, if you go cheap, you go cheap with Wi-Fi, and you shouldn't be complaining about speeds and and, uh, performance. (laughs) It's a very good point. So 
Rawal, what else have I missed? Because, I mean, you, you spoke about qualm being something that I missed. Is there anything else that's, that you're excited about or, or like technical stuff that you want to explain to the wider community? You know, what, what did I miss technically that you think we should know? Yeah, I mean, I think you, we covered the, the, all the big pieces of Wi-Fi 6. I think the only thing that I, I, I tell people when it comes to implementing Wi-Fi and this has nothing to do with Wi-Fi 6, is I tell them, uh, especially in enterprises and higher education, different companies that deploy their own wireless, is to make sure you plan and have a design because just because you have the latest and greatest Wi-Fi doesn't mean it's going to work great if you didn't plan and design for that, right, for the requirements that are needed. And I see this all the time where people just put up access points. They think more is better, and sometimes it's not uh, because of, the finite resource we have with frequency and uh, I, I'm a big per, uh, I'm big on saying hey you should design your Wi-Fi network there's a lot of tools and applications to do that yeah I mean I thought the best way to implement Wi-Fi is to turn the volume like to the highest possible okay. value like turn the power right up <laughs> I'm kidding of course uh, <laughs> but it sounds like that's what a lot of people do you know if I shout louder you'll understand me better well uh, if you put it this way uh, if somebody was shouting at you, but they had a megaphone, right, and you were across the football field, you could hear that person. But if you didn't have the megaphone and you were shouting back, they probably couldn't hear you. And so that's an example of an AP with much stronger antennas and radios and, and transmit power. But your mobile device does not have that same capability. So when it tries to respond back, it might not get there because the AP cannot uh, demodulate that signal because it's too weak of a signal. So that's, uh, that's why sometimes transmitting at the highest power is not necessarily the best thing because those devices cannot transmit at the same power level. That's a great analogy. I like that. So what tools, like what are your favorite tools? Because you, you were mentioning, you know, we need to be able to design our network better. Like what tools, resources? I mean, can you tell us about your website? Um, uh, tell us a bit more about your podcast. You know, where can people get information from you and like you've got a consulting consulting business, you know, tell us a bit about yourself and then also like tools and utilities that you that you find useful. Yeah, for, for those that want to, if, if you're technical, I'm pretty sure if you're watching this show, you're technical and you want to learn the details, the nitty gritty details. I, I have a series with my co-host Francois Verges on cleartosend.net slash AX. And that is all the 802.11AX episodes that we've published. And if you want to learn more about Wi-Fi, we have other Wi-Fi specific uh, episodes there, especially when it comes to designing and troubleshooting. Um, so that's a good resource if you if you guys want to learn more. If um, if you need if someone needs help designing or troubleshooting or configuring, I have my own business, Packet6.com, where I focus solely on wireless and I go out to companies and uh, help them troubleshoot. A lot of times, it's troubleshooting because somebody has deployed it in some way and didn't do the planning and now it's just not working to to what they thought it would work right they want to see a better investment in that in that equipment that they bought um those are the two resources i'd go to and then if you want to engage with me i am on twitter i i, I tweet a lot so at roel dionisio yeah i mean so are you prepared to fly around the world and help people with their wi-fi networks uh, occasionally i do find across a uh, fly across the united states um haven't haven't had anyone fly me to a different country yet, but I'm open to doing that. Yeah, so if you, if you, if you want some expert help with your wireless, there you go. Um, 
Well, that's fantastic. I mean, I wanted to wrap up, but before I do, I wanted to ask you, okay, so are there any like software utilities or devices that you could recommend or do you have that on your website? Um, it's You'd have to find it on the episode. We do have an episode about tools on clearsend.net, but I'm right. a Mac user, so I use Wi-Fi Explorer. Uh, there's a light version and a paid version. If you're in education, you get a discount on the pro version. Um, there's design software out there. Uh, I use Ekahow. There's also IBWave, which works on uh, both of those uh, work on PC. Ekahow will also work on a Mac. Um, I use... Uh, pro, uh, protocol analyzer, so Wireshark. I'm pretty sure your audience is familiar with Wireshark. You can analyze wireless protocols with Wireshark. I use that in combination with a tool called AirTool, the same guy who makes um, Wi-Fi Explorer. Uh, that turns my MacBook's radio into uh, into a mode where it can start sniffing all those frames, and then I can analyze it in Wireshark. Uh, and then there's also Spectrum analyzers. You could use a Cisco AP to be as a spectrum analyzer or you could use something like metageek uh, they have a spectrum analyzer they also just released a tool where you can just plug it into your iphone it's a little box and it can do uh, some some basic spectrum analysis oh cool that's brilliant i mean i, I think we gotta got to wrap it up now you gotta go to work i mean it's I do. Uh, <laughs> i've kept you i've kept you a long time so well i just want to say thanks so much for you know explaining this as i was saying offline you know i thought much better just to talk to an expert rather than me try to explain this. So really appreciate you taking the time, you know, to explain this to all of us. Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. And and uh, it's good to come away from just audio and actually get onto video. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. I mean, it's good to see you, you know, here on the channel. So hopefully I can convince you at some point again when this stuff, you know, becomes more common or at some point to, you know, talk more about wireless. So let me put it this way to the audience, anyone watching, if you want Rowell to come back again and explain more about Wi-Fi, if you want him to, you know, dive deep into a topic, uh, please put it in the comments below. But remember to go to his um, podcast and to his website, Clear to Send, um, and learn more. Rowell, again, thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining us on today's podcast. Be sure to visit David's YouTube channel at David Bumble, where you can subscribe and watch all of his videos. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Catch you next time on the David Bumble Networking Podcast. All the best. Take care.